Is mainstream school failing your kids? The pandemic, with all the changes to schooling and daily life, is a moment of opportunity to rethink the educational path that works best for you and for your kids. So the question is, how can we as parents find alternative solutions that aren't necessarily having to do it all ourselves or pay for programs that we can't afford? I'm Jerry Kirk. And I'm Graham Kirk. Join us as we talk with families thriving on their own path We shared practical tips, wins, and challenges they've been through to help you on yours. We interview educational experts and parent entrepreneurs with education solutions for the modern age, so parents wanting a better alternative can make confident, informed choices. Welcome to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. You're ready for change. And so are we. Welcome back to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. My guest today... Annette Cashel has a really interesting story. Now, she once had what you'd call a, quote, proper job. And so for many years, she worked as a marketing manager, and honestly, she loved her job. But unfortunately, her body did not. It started first with carpal tunnel syndrome. And, you know, she fixed that with physio, but then she got knee cartilage issues. But she was able to fix that with fascial rolling. And then she developed degenerative disc disease in her lower back. And for that, she fixed it with Pilates. And in fact, she was so impressed with Pilates that she quit her job and retrained as a Stott Pilates teacher. But her body issues weren't over. Fast forward a few years later from that, and then she developed a very severe nerve issue. And for that, she was told she would have to have a neck fusion operation something that was kind of scary and and definitely something she didn't want to do at the time. Now, this was all really kind of irritating to say the least and confusing. Like, why was she getting all these health issues? She didn't smoke or drink. She wasn't overweight. Her stress was manageable. She was doing all the right things, right? She was even a Stott's Pilates teacher. So she had this active lifestyle, or at least so she thought. But what she began to realize is that outside of her gym workouts and her weekend hikes, she was sedentary the rest of the time. And it turns out the rest of the time is what really matters. And so she started to add movement into her day frequently and with variety. And from that, her body began to thrive so much so that she was able to avoid this neck fusion operation and all the pain and heartache associated with it. Now for us, you know, even before COVID, most of us spent way more time sitting than is good for us. I've once read an article that talked about sitting being the new, the new smoking. And COVID has only amplified the systemic problem even further, especially now for our kids who are doing a lot of their schooling online instead of in person. Now, my guest today, Annette Cashel, is a natural movement coach who helps people add movement, not exercise, into their everyday lives for better whole body health. Her offerings are specifically designed to undo or prevent the damage that's caused by excessive sitting in a very practical, sustainable, and let's admit, I mean, if it's not fun, we're not going to keep doing it, right? So it's fun, right? It's And her mentor at the end of the day is exercise is optional, but movement is essential. So today, we're going to learn how to incorporate more movement into our everyday lives. Annette, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jerry. Great to be here. I'm super excited to have you and what a journey you've been on. Yes, yes, but a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and absolutely, not just for you, but for, for so many people that, that you're reaching out to, to help and serve. How are you doing? Curious, how much 
sitting happens in your days these days? Well, I still sit. I mean, I still have to do create content online and things like that. But sitting happens. You know, we have jobs that require sitting. But the idea is to, well, first of all, be aware of how much you sit. You know, let's look at it realistically. How many hours do you sit? And then try to move every 20 minutes. That is the that is the ideal. Not everybody can do that, but that's what you're aiming for. If you're struggling with that idea, try to move every hour, even for a minute or two, and then start to increase the frequency of that movement break. And it doesn't mean, you know, jumping jacks or running on the spot. It could be literally getting no out of your chair, getting a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> no burpees. No burpees. Okay. Unless you want to do burpees. Yeah, exactly. I actually like, well, I'm, I'm into CrossFit, so I actually like burpees. Okay, well then, go maybe, for it. <laughs> maybe not when I'm like working at the computer, though. It gets a little sweaty. Uh, <laughs> so I'm curious, do you have any idea like how much the average person sits in a day have you seen any statistic well i mean since covid certainly the inc the number has increased drastically i'd say the i mean obviously the average office worker will be sitting about eight hours a day minimum that's just in the office probably obviously afterwards if you add up breakfast lunch dinner you know computer time sitting in a car commuting or doing emails you're looking at close to 12 hours probably easily may not be in one stretch, you know, it'll be broken up a bit, which is good, but already sitting between four and eight hours is medium risk in terms of developing all the diseases that are associated with excessive sitting. What are some of the, the problems that can occur from, from excessive sitting? I mean, obviously we heard a few, you know, from your story, but what can happen? Yeah, so apart from the aches and pains of feeling stiff and hurting your neck and your knees and your hips, there is a link between sitting excessively and serious diseases like cancers, certain cardiovascular disease, obesity, obviously, diabetes type 2, and even premature death, which sounds really crazy when you think about it. But this has actually been known since 1996. It was written about by the US Surgeon General at that time. That's the same person who found the link between smoking and cancer. So sitting and these serious diseases was found in 1996 and written about and taken seriously. It's been talked about ever since. Unfortunately, the message is not really getting out there. Well, and I was going to say, yeah, you said moving less. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So someone's taking it seriously, but it seems like they're in the minority. It's not something you hear being talked about much no, at well, all, to be honest. On the other side, people have been told to exercise more, which is great in, its, in and of itself. But what people don't realize, it's a separate risk of not moving. So even if you go to the gym every day or do your CrossFit or even doing a, preparing for a marathon and you exercise as one or two hours every day, which is extremely active in today's society, yeah, those sure. one or two hours of moving doesn't offset the eight hours you might be sitting the rest of the day. It's a bit like really? having a salad at nighttime for your dinner, but you've had junk food all day. Yeah, the salad doesn't undo the junk food. You know, it, you can't undo junk food by eating salad. So yes, it's great to have a salad at night, but maybe sprinkle more salad through your day or eat less junk food or move more. That way you have less kind of junk movement in your body as well. Yeah, it's kind of like taking that, that basic meal and, and pulling out some of the sugars and fats and throwing in some, some healthy vegetables and some proteins maybe. Exactly. And the message I've been getting out was, well, if I move for 30 minutes a day, then I'm fine. That's the message I've been coming out, which in terms of exercise is fine. But in terms of movement, it's not fine. It's a separate risk. So people get confused between movement and exercise. So let me clarify that first, really. So if you exercise, it usually involves maybe wearing certain clothes, wearing certain shoes, maybe driving to a place. In your mind, you have a certain amount of time in your head set aside for that. And when it's, once it's done, you kind of tick it off your list 
your mental to-do list. Well, I've done my exercise for the day. I'm off the hook. I can kind of lounge the rest of the day. You know? Right. Yeah. Let's go put on the movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Watch yeah. the sports game. Exactly. You can still exercise. I'm not saying don't exercise, but movement happens kind of throughout the day. And once you become aware of that difference, you realize how often you avoid movement because of convenience. You know, we go out of our way not to sit on the floor like I am now. You know, we are go out of our way to drive everywhere when you could drive just a portion of the way. It doesn't mean you have to give up all driving, but even drive half the way or three quarters of the way, park further away from the shop, take the stairs instead of the elevator. All these things sound ridiculously tiny, but they really add up. And that's why we don't move anymore, because little by little, these tiny things have been stripped out of our life. So there's very little left for us to physically do. I mean, even with Alexa, you know, turn down the, the volume of the radio, people have to walk over, <laughs> no turn it down, right. even close the curtains, even I'll take it to the nth degree, like washing your hands, you have the, the soap thing, which already has foamed the soap for you. Right. Right. Yeah, so you like, don't you have to like do a bar wave, of soap. Wave your hands underneath it. You don't yeah. even have to press the, press exactly. the, the button. Exactly. Or Velcro <laughs> on shoes. You don't have to have that dexterity with your hands or grapes without pips. Your tongue doesn't have to work. Like I could take it to the nth degree. They're tiny things, but they all, all add things. up to less movement. So what I'm hearing is it's not that there has to be a ton of movement, but we need regular, not that I would advocate sitting a lot in any situation, but if, if one has to, as long as you're incorporating regular, very movement in little micro pieces, um, that can offset that those hours spent sitting at an office computer or, you know, at a, in a school classroom, virtually online. Exactly. They call micro breaks. Yeah. That idea is just kind of, it's a bit like a computer. If you don't touch your computer for a while, it goes into snooze mode. Yeah. So you, you touch it gently and it would kind of bring back to come back to life. So your, your systems in your body are the same, you know, your immune system, your metabolic system, your bone building, all that stuff needs to have a little bit of input to go, oh, you need, you need me. I'll keep working. At 20 minutes, your metabolic system starts slowing down because it's thinking, well, you don't really need to burn much here. So I'll just switch off, go into snooze mode. And all the other systems in your body, they might not be 20 minutes, but it's the same idea. You want to kind of get a little impetus to your body that things need are still needed. I mean, that really aligns well with my own experience. I mean, my background is a lot in management consulting and looking at optimizing the workplace and that sort of thing. And I've been, a, I've always been a big fan and a, and a practitioner of something called Pomodoro technique. So where it's like you, you work for a certain amount of time, it's a short amount, you know, like I typically do a 30 minutes and then I take a 10 minute break. So I'm away from my computer. So I'm walking around, I'm getting some water, going to the bathroom. So I've kind of, I hadn't thought about the movement side of it. I was thinking more of it as you know, for me, it's more like I, I like I know our brains, they're not like a machine, right? So they, they need rest regularly to function well. And so we don't get so tired throughout our day. I had, but I, but I hadn't thought about the, so much about the physical side, other than I know it's, it's good to move around and, you know, it increases oxygen to your brain uh, every time you, you know, you stand up and that sort of thing. But for me, this is like kind of taking it to that next level and seeing, you know, because there are times I'll admit, right, there are times where I'm sitting down for like, sometimes I just feel I, like I work at a stand up desk normally. But, you know, sometimes like I do uh, end up sitting at a desk for or at a table for a couple of hours. And yeah, when I'm sitting for a couple hours, I, I do I do notice that that difference when I'm not at my stand up desk. So. Yeah, so I mean, there'll is, be times where you'll be in the flow and you'll be concentrated on something and you'd have to get it done. And that's fine. You're not going to beat yourself up over that. In fact, the fact that you're aware of that is really good because that's not your normal, which is really, really good. So I always say congratulate yourself when you realize things haven't gone well. That is the first step to 
change, which is fantastic. And then you'll have days where you'll have a lot of sitting and days where you won't. But you're aiming for the 80-20 thing, you know. Let's be realistic here. Are there going to be bad days and good days? Well, get back on the wagon and, and start again. So that's a great that's a great place to, to move it to next. So for parents who are working from home, say, or you know, wherever they happen to be, and, and kids especially, right, who are now spending um, even more time online, not just for school, but like here, we're in a lockdown of sorts, again, lockdown 47. And uh, a lot of their options to be active aren't as available either. So they're like, my kids are spending a bit more time, you know, doing the Netflix thing and the PlayStation thing. So what are some ways to start incorporating more movements? Right. Well, it's, the number one goal is to sit less in general. So just be aware of how many hours you do sit, try to sit less. So the way to sit less, the easiest way is to stand, obviously, or walk. So if you're doing a Zoom call for school or a webinar or something, just stand at the start of it. That's why I always do. I stand at the start of a Zoom call because I'm going to get tired after a little bit and then I'll sit down. But if you stand at the start of every Zoom call or webinar, you'll start adding in five, ten minutes here and there. You know, it'll break up your sitting. Um, also trying to do, obviously, homework or whatever at a, at a standing desk or a kitchen counter. You don't need to buy the expensive standing desk. They are fantastic, but you may not have that option. I have shelving. I use your kitchen counter instead. Children can do that too. And move around, you know, so sitting less is the number one goal. So there are your ways to do that. If you're taking phone calls, obviously you can walk rather than standing or sitting down. Chores around the house, like ironing, do you have to sit to iron? You could stand. Laundry, do you have to sit at a chair? Sit on the floor. So sitting differently is not the same as sitting on a chair. So even sitting differently, like sitting on a floor, is a different experience for your body. Plus, you have to get down to the floor and back up off the floor which is work for your body. So you don't have to sit, you know, flat on the floor. You could sit on a yoga bolster, on a cushion. Even a lower stool would be a different experience for your body. So, so again, the key here is, is to, to vary the experiences. Vary the well. experience. So sit less, sit differently. Yeah. And then, you know, if you're playing on PlayStation or whatever, you know, get rid of the chairs, get rid of the Game Boy chairs. They're terrible. If you have the option of sitting on the floor to play your Game Boy, you might not stay that long on that. Or if you do, at <laughs> least point. you're moving around because you're going to get uncomfortable in one position. Gonna and then you're make gonna... things less comfortable for myself. Yeah, think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then for reading, a lot of children like reading on their tummy. And I would actively encourage that. I mean, obviously, if you're... Children will naturally stop when it's sore or it gets uncomfortable. But starting lying on your tummy on the floor, you know, reading your book. A lot of children prefer to read that way and read more when they're allowed to read that way rather than rigidly at a table. I mean, who reads a book at a table at home? No adult, I know. You know, you're either lounging in bed or you're on the sofa or on the floor. And then you can make how you sit better as well by changing the angle of your chair. So if you put a chair wedge on your chair, it's a bit like a piece of cheese, you know, it, it slopes up on your chair so that it's very hard to slouch uphill. It's very easy to slouch downhill. A lot of chairs are, are designed to tip your back, yourself back. These chair wedges do the opposite. You don't need to buy the chair wedge. I use towels instead. You can roll up a beach towel, make it quite tight so it doesn't flatten too easily and put it towards the back of your chair seat. And that changes the angle of your chair seat as well. Okay. So just to kind of re recap a few things here, I'm, there's lots of good stuff you're mentioning. So, so one is, is just you know, try to sit less, obviously. So where there's opportunities to, to not sit when you're doing things throughout, throughout the day, do that. You know, I, I really like your suggestion about like starting a Zoom call, standing up. I think, I think that's, that's brilliant because I know like for my kids, I mean, they know I stand and I'm a big advocate of it. But, you know, the thought of standing for a lot of their long sessions is daunting, but this would be a, a real simple way to get started with that. And then, as you said, like varying the sitting, I like, I really like that as well grab some towels after our, our interview and <laughs> try that with my daughter. He's got a class 
a bit after this. Yeah, this, exactly. Uh, this... Also, a lot of people I work with who have to have to sit at a certain desk, like in the office, and they don't have the option of sitting on the floor. I say bring the floor up to you. So if you put a small table underneath your table, like a really low table underneath your existing desk, or put a, a bag, like a gym bag, which is full, or a box underneath your existing table and put your feet on it and cross your ankles, you go into yoga pose, you go into cobbler pose, or, you know, you've, you've brought the floor up so your feet aren't touching the floor anymore, the floor is higher. Does that make sense? And then you can change that position then so you can have a squatting position while you're at your desk as well. So it's kind of, you're in a supported squat position, but you're actually working at your desk. So it just changes the way your body is experiencing your sitting. Not that there's a perfect way to sit all day. There isn't. You want to change things around as much as you can. So, I mean, they all sound really, really you know, obviously these are really helpful and, and useful things to do. How do you get to stick with it? Because, I mean, also I'm, I'm listening and, and I'm pretty good at, in general, about incorporating things. I'm just very passionate about living in a healthy way. But, you know, number one, it can be hard to remember all these things. Number two is might just feel like, you know, more work to have to track and manage. How do you incorporate the fun part into it so it sticks? I think the easiest way to change this is to change your environment. That way you don't have to think about it anymore. So I have chair wedges on all my chairs. I don't have to think about it. They're there. They automatically, every time I use a chair, it's changed. I don't even have to think about it. It takes no more time. So that's done. Also in my car, change the chair wedge in my car. So that's because the, well, the chair car is one of the worst offenders in terms of sloping back. Um, in front of all my sinks, I have what I call a half dome, but you could imagine that's something like a book or a yoga block in front of every sink. So every time I wash my hands, I'm doing a calf stretch. I put my heel on the floor. I put my toes on the, the block. One or two. Every time I wash my hands during the day, that's a lot of times, I'm doing a calf stretch. Don't have to think about it. Most of us have very tight calves and it affects not just our calves, but our knees, our hips, our pelvic floor and our neck. So it's a great all over exercise. Um, squatty potty, do you know what that is? Funny enough, I actually do know what that is. I, I think I heard a podcast about it once. And so I've, I've used a little stool. Exactly. Um, Every toy you have, put one of those in front. It doesn't have to be the expensive version. Experiment with yoga blocks or boxes. Every time you use a toilet now, you're doing a mini squat. I'm a big advocate into changing your environment. That we don't have to think about it. Have a no shoe policy at home. Every time you come in the door, you take off your shoes. You're already doing something good for your body. So for me, it's not a question of willpower. I have no choice. I've changed my environment. My work setup is on the floor. I don't have to think about it. It's not like, oh, I'd rather use my desk. I don't have the desk. It's just I've set up like here on the floor with my whatever, my boxes and my little table to get that into position. And then as you say, starting the Zoom call, these habits are very easy to maintain. Yeah, when you don't have to think about it, right? I mean, it's it, you know the book Atomic Habits. I don't know if you've read that one. It's a really great book. Yeah, Tiny um, Habits is one I've read. I think it might be okay. similar. Yeah, it's probably probably similar. One of his big things is about like make good habits easier to do and bad habits harder to do. If you want to watch less TV, for example, like take the batteries out of the remote and put the remote in a in a desk drawer. So yeah, you could still watch, but it's going to take a little more effort. Exactly. Or, you know, to aim towards every 20 minutes movement, have, have the alarm on your phone and put the phone in the other room. So at least to switch it off, you have to walk in the other room, you know, it just, yeah. And like standing also can become very comfortable. Like you're probably used to standing now and you find maybe it's really helpful to think as well. So a lot of these habits might seem like work now, but I find the ones that you're happy with and you stick with, you stick with because they make a difference to you and how you feel. So the goal is not to stand eight hours a day either, because any issues you have with sitting all day, you'll just change into slightly different issues of standing all day. Yeah, your body is made to move frequently, not 
pick on one posture for the whole right. time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, when I, my first started experimenting with, with standing, I, I would just do it like maybe an hour at a time and just kind of build up gradually. And one of the things that I noticed early on is I used to get really kind of really, like, you know, like the afternoon sleepies, like around three o'clock, the brain just kind of turns to mush. And I just was really tired and that started to go away. Um, like I, I was able to sustain a full day feeling really good. You know, when that started to happen, that was kind of one of my big motivators to, to, to keep it going. So I can only imagine what can happen for, for everyone who starts to add a little bit more movement from all this sitting. Like I, I would think the benefits would start to show up pretty quickly. What, what's been your experience if someone starts to incorporate these movements? Yeah, I mean, it depends what their issue is. Normally people come to me with a particular issue, you know, and that's what we're focused on, the neck problem or pelvic floor, or that's usually the main issues or, or bone density, where that will take a bit longer, obviously, to see points of view from a DEXA scan. But in point of view of um, alignment and aches and pains, usually people feel a lot better when they move more frequently throughout the day. Yeah, very. I was going to say, yeah, mm. like, like a matter of days or a week. Or... Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a week or two, definitely. If you consider the amount of time that they spend doing something and then just breaking up exactly. very easily, you know, it's actually quite miraculous that the change is so quick. And your body tissues respond to what you do most frequently, not most intensely. So the number one issue I have a when people come to me is that they ignore their feet. That's usually the number one thing we start with. But the second thing is that they don't change their environment to support whatever goal they have. So even if I give them five exercises and they do them religiously every day, once they've done those five exercises, they kind of undo it then by what they do the rest of the day. Whereas kind of what you're saying you, earlier about, you know, just exercising at the gym and forgetting about the rest yeah, of the day, which and was, you, you know, something you experienced way back yeah exactly yeah. and like if you do your feet exercise for example but then for the rest of the day you keep wearing the six inch high heels well you know you've just you're just undoing all the lovely foot exercise you spend time doing when you could start easing yourself out of six inch heels to lower shoes and then you'll actively support your exercises for the rest of the day um now you've got me curious a little bit more about feet i mean yeah. partly because i'm you know being a diabetic i know feet care is, is really important but I'll, I'll admit, it's not something I really think much about or, or do much about. So no, feet, feet are usually ignored until they're not working anymore. But if you... Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. If you think about it, there are so many sensors at the base of our feet, 20,000 sensors in the soles of our feet. Like they're there for a reason. Okay. We have, you know, what was it 30, I'm terrible at numbers, 26 bones in our feet and 33 joints or one or the other of those. Okay. So our feet, can you imagine the 33 joints in your foot? They're meant to be moved. You know, and when you put a shoe on, it just casts it into like one, one blob, you know, one, one bone. There's no one bone in your feet. There's, there's 26. So it's a bit like having a cast on your arm. Say you broke your arm, you have a cast on your arm. And when you take that cast off, that arm looks ridiculous compared to the other arm. Okay. Because the muscles have withered away and it, it's scrawny looking. Our feet are those scrawny versions now, but we don't notice it because we've got two casts on our feet, shoes, all our life. If you'd worn one shoe all your life and had one foot free, you'd really see the difference. So when you start exposing your feet to a little bit of movement, a little bit of stretching, you'll start seeing muscle tone come back so quickly. And the, obviously the sense of grounding and the um, improvement for your neck and everything else in your body, it has a, a knock-on effect for the whole skeletal system from the feet up. So whoever I work with, I always start with the feet. Interesting. It makes a lot of sense. So, you know, one of the, the off benefits of, COVID and people being at home now is, I mean, you can be doing your work. Maybe less not as easy to be at, at an office without shoes on, but, but at home, 100%. Exactly. 
Exactly. Now is the opportune moment. This time of year, I always do summer feet workshops anyway to kind of summarize people's feet and they get more motivated to be barefoot this time of year because it's easier in Ireland. The weather is getting a little bit warmer. People can start walking on the beach and the grass and feel the textures under their feet. And it's much more doable at this time of year. But you're absolutely right. Working from home, there's no excuse really not to wear shoes in the house. You know, and if you've always worn shoes, you're going to have to do it slowly. It's like taking a cast off. You don't take the cast off and start pumping weights. You're going to have to gradually expose your feet to bearing their weight without the support of a shoe. And most people, it's been decades that their feet haven't supported the weight of their body without a help of orthotic or a really high shoe. And even regular runners now or sneakers have really high heels. If you've seen them now, they're like two, three inches of plastic at the back. And that knocks your whole body out of alignment. And then every joint in your body has to compensate to bring yourself back up to vertical alignment so there's a lot of compensations going on the higher the shoe heel i'll just circle back again to a little bit about you know your journey because i i guess i really want to like even for myself right like i mean so many things we talk about that yeah they're good for your health and like it's all making rational sense we're talking about it but it's kind of like one of those those things it's seen with like with my diabetes for so many diabetics that don't look after themselves because they don't really see the effects until decades later when you know, they're having organ issues and that sort of thing. And I think it's a similar with sitting and, and with, with feet is these things accumulate over time. And we're just in the moment, we're not seeing the issue. So it doesn't stick in. So I'd love to talk a little bit about, explore with you a little bit about, you know, what was going on for you as you started to like address particularly like the, the nerve issue and, and what was happening there to lead to that point. And then, and then the process of undoing that and what was actually happening in your body. Before that, I had other issues and I fixed them or I thought I'd fix them by doing the various things that you mentioned at the start of my intro. So when I hit the fourth thing of the nerve issue with my down my arm, but it was radiating from my neck, as you explained in my intro, I was I just couldn't understand it. You know, I'd given up my desk job, I applied his teacher and I still wasn't thriving. And this was seven years ago, so mid 40s. That's when I really started to research the bigger picture. And, I, you know, what is exercise? Do we really need this many hours, minutes a day, I'm doing double that. Why? What's going on? And it was only then that I realized that I was the term active couch potato. I don't know if you know that term. So no, <laughs> it's a good fish. I, I kind of get it. Yeah. yeah. So a couch potato is somebody who does nothing, basically no exercise. Okay. An active couch potato is somebody who might go to the gym every day, but for the rest of the day, they're not moving. So there's not that much difference in terms of hours per day of movement of an active couch potato to a regular couch potato, it's about 6% difference. So if you go to the gym for one hour a day and the couch potato never goes, it's only 6% more active of the day that you're actually moving, assuming you sleep for eight hours, so one hour out of 16. Very little difference in terms of the whole amount of hours where you could be doing some movement. So that just made total sense to me and I realized this is really embarrassing. <laughs> I'm a fitness teacher, nobody, nobody told me this when I did my training. In fact, when you talked about things like taking the elevator instead of stairs, it was more like, oh, yeah, that's what you do when you're 80. You know, you know, they're a little thing. They don't really count when you can't crossfit or when you can't jog, do those things. But don't worry about them now. And I realized, no, no, no. All the latest research says it, we all need to be doing this, even if we're training for a marathon, even if we're doing weights every day. You need to realize that there's no other movement going on and it's so easy to fall into that so obviously my motivation was pain you know i had a lot of pain i was on a lot of meds that didn't really help i didn't want to take them and i felt ancient and i was for mid 40s i felt ancient and i thought if i feel like this now what am i going to be like at 80 i do not want to go down this path 
I do not want to go on this path and I don't want to do the neck fusion operation. I have nothing against operations, but uh, I'd worked with a lot of people who had had fusions that hadn't gone well or hadn't really helped. So I was so open to alternatives. That's why I looked into it and started adding movement to my day. Felt better very quickly, retrained in that area and realized this same principle can be applied to so many other situations. My own children were in their mid-teens at the time. They were doing a lot of sitting with study. They had serious exams, you know, the end of the school cycle. My elder daughter had scoliosis and she had a spine problem when she was a baby. And I just realized that all this sitting is not helping. This has contributed to her scoliosis now in her mid-teens, you know, and it all came to a head. And I developed a program for schools actually because of my concern, because I thought, well, if I'm kind of falling apart in my mid-40s, I really started in my 30s, what is the next generation going to be like? These are children who didn't necessarily climb trees or, you know, play outdoors all the day or, you know, right, yeah. we didn't have phones or anything. Yeah. Electronics, sedentary yeah, things. Exactly. You know, we walked everywhere. You know, we didn't have the option of driving or, or whatever. There was no TV past 4.30 in the afternoon. You know, it just switched off. Like there was no children's program, you know. So it, that spurned me to develop something for children, which I did. And then that same idea has been now adapted for families at home and then for office workers as well. The same principles, sit less, sit better, sit differently, move more. Do you know, like actually what's happening in the body? Like when, like when you went through your, your transformation, clearly the, the movement helped. Do you, do you have a sense for what, what was actually going on in, inside? Well, that's how long do you have? I mean, <laughs> who knows, kind of. I mean, when they looked at my neck and they said, you have four bulging discs, and, I've, and the, the consultant said, I've never seen the disc as bulging as big as that. You will have to have neck fusion. And I'm like, I don't want to. And he says, well, you'll have to. You'll come back. It doesn't matter if you do physio. And I'm like, well, okay, I'm not doing it. So I haven't had another MRI since then because I don't really want to know what it looks like. All I know is I feel better. Pain's I gone. have no pain. Yeah. I'm assuming it has a lot to do with fascia, you know, fascia just underneath the skin. A lot of back problems that they now reckon, you know, when they do an MRI or an X-ray of them, they look in, there's, there's not much going on and they can't figure out why that person has back pain. And now they think maybe it has more to do with the fascia and a disruption in the fascia. So fascia is, it's a connective tissue. It's all over your body. The one I'm talking about is kind of superficial underneath your skin, just underneath your skin. Imagine it's like a super uh, Spider-Man outfit you're wearing. So Spider-Man outfit everywhere that outfit is, is your fascia, including your face, fingertips, everywhere. And that fascia is supposed to be really supple and uh, slippery. Imagine the lycra kind of being wet and glistening. But because of our modern lifestyle, that fascia gets dehydrated in certain spots and doesn't slide and glide anymore and can cause restriction. And once that's, you can actually rehydrate that again by moving, by moving differently, by rolling, by massaging, various other ways. And it recreates itself a bit like um, bone. It's constantly remodeling itself. So if you give it the right input, it will start to regenerate and become glistening and everything. And then everything underneath it, your muscles as well, can start moving better. What oh, amazing. Well, what I like about all this too is that the amount of effort to try to break, break these things is, is so simple. There's no really cost involved, just little simple changes in, in, in your life. And it's just going to produce such tremendous results, whether you have a serious issue or just want to avoid, you know, especially for our kids, right? Having, having them in the future. So, wow, this has been really informative today. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our, our listeners before we wrap up? Well, if you're interested in finding out more, you're welcome to sign up to my newsletter. I have a free resource, which is how to sit less or what else. 
Step one, I always recommend people start with that. It's a free resource aimed at families. So there's a chart that you can progress your chart if you want to be kind of creative that way. Children quite like to fill that out. And then the rest of the information is kind of the why behind why it's important to sit less and then inspiration, how to sit less. And I also have a challenge with that. So there's always a challenge, like, can you do this kind of thing based on how to sit less? So if you start sitting less, the challenge becomes easier. So that's kind of the motivation behind that. And that's my week one of my mini movement month program for families. And then the other weeks deal with sitting differently, sitting better, movement breaks. And at the end of each of those weeks as well, there's a challenge that you can try and do. And usually when you've done it for a while, whatever the challenge is, it gets easier because of the change you're trying to do. And usually the kids totally nail it and the parents don't. So that usually goes down really well with the kids and gets them really motivated to do it. And then the beauty of it with all this is when you've done the week one or week two or week three or four, you've done environmental changes. So when you finish that program, they live on. Normally the squatty potty is still there. The blocks in front of the sink are still there. You've gotten used to sitting on the floor. You've taken your shoes off. You don't think about it anymore. And I'm really big into small change, big impact. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, I'm after we're on this call, I'm, I'm definitely going to be getting some uh, some yoga blocks and uh, <laughs> doing some changes in, in my house. I'm really excited to, to, to do that and to add that into our Yeah, do. And experience. if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm on Movement Makeovers or Facebook, same name. And it's just, I do a lot of photos there where people see what I'm talking about. I think when people see it, they go, oh, I get you now. Okay, that's what you mean. That's what a squatty potty is. That's what you mean with feet and people get the story a lot quicker when they see a visual awesome and what's what's your the name of your website my website is www.malahidepilates.com so it may not okay. be that uh, uh we'll put a link in the show notes. for people yeah but yeah, instagram we'll, we'll, we'll and facebook is probably the better uh, and i movement okay. makeovers there anybody's interested in changing their local school because maybe they're not their homes they're not homeschooling quite 100% yet. If you're frustrated with what's going on in your school, I've developed a program for you as a parent or a teacher to bring these changes into your local school in a way that's cost-free, minimal fuss, and get the teachers on board. This week, step-by-step, how to talk to your teacher, how to talk to children, what equipment do you need, how do you break it down. It's all in there. So if you're really frustrated with your school and you've tried things in the past and it hasn't worked, my program might help you with that. Wow, that's awesome. That's such a, a wonderful gift that you're offering the world. So thanks. Thank you, Annette, for, you know, taking what was once a, a challenge in your own life and, and turning that into a gift for so many people to live a better life. Well, thanks for helping me. I really enjoyed chatting with you. And um, I hope I've uh, uh, challenged you to make a few changes in your life, too. Yeah, in a, in a fun, simple way, for sure. All right. Take care, Annette. Take care. Bye bye.